so um before we get started something that i forgot to include that i really wanted to say and it popped in my brain right after i published the episode um is the fact that he called her clyde if you don't know what clyde means the definition of it um in 60s slang a person that one insults or dislikes a clumsy person so basically he's just calling her stupid um and i think it's really endearing like i know it sounds really rude but i'm just a simp for men that hate me or just people that hate me in general so um him calling her clyde and not stopping because like if you thought that was a one-time thing you were mistaken um but yeah i just want to say that i think the clyde name is really cute if there is someone that hates me and we start our enemies to lovers, they need to call me Clyde or it would just be a deal breaker for me. Anyways, enough of me being um, unstable. Here it goes. Higher. There are a couple mysteries that you still have yet to uncover from the two and a half weeks that you've been diligently training and practicing for the circus. One. Any and everything about Harry, including what lies below his heart and exter- exterior, what his personal life looks like outside of this theater, why he's yet to accept the reality of a closeness outside of your working relationship, and why there is such a stark contrast between his treatment for you versus his treatment of every other person. Two, where the phantom breeze is coming from in your dressing room that extinguishes your favorite juicy cherry scented candles. Typically, you light them before taking a shower because you enjoy entering into a sweet-smelling room after bathing, but the flame is always choked by the time you step out of the bathroom. Not only does it happen when you're not looking, but you swear the fire has blotted out right in front of your eyes on more than one occasion, and you've actually considered asking around if anyone else is having ghostly experiences. At first, you were worried about creating connections with your co-workers considering how difficult it's been with Harry. But it seems to have come pretty easily for you, so long as you avoid Harry's quite extensive circle of friends. Luckily, you've made acquaintances with some ballet dancers, choosing to do gentle warm-ups and partake in enjoyable conversation with them each morning before having to face your trapeze partner. He's militant and unrelenting in his training methods, demanding at least an hour of calisthenics before moving on to anything circus, gymnastics, or dance-related. Push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, leg lifts, jumping jacks, jumping rope, weightlifting, and jogging in place, just to name a few. No matter what the exercise is, Harry can do twice as many repetitions as you can in about half the time. At first you had thought that maybe he was showing off, but the more you get to know him, the more it seems as though he's pushing himself to beat his own record each day. He's seemingly in constant competition with himself to prove something, to prove that he's in control and constant developing that he's a better version of himself than he was yesterday, that if he keeps moving forward and striving for greatness, he could never possibly be bored or lonely, that if he always has a goal that he's striving for, he could never be considered a failure. Three days ago, he finally deemed you ready for practicing on trapeze. On day one, you started off with simple trust falls on the ground. Since then, you've been doing about a dozen trust falls each day to remind the both of you that you are capable, you are reliable, and you are strong. You are working partners, and the proof is is in the fall and the catch. You had been worried about the level of required professional physical intimacy that comes along with this line of work, but Harry has proved himself to be nothing sort of virtuous. His values are in place, and he's shockingly competent and honorable. 
If only he could listen up a bit and crack a smile when he's within 50 feet of your presence. On day two, you begin by swinging side by side first, before quickly moving on to swinging alone. Harry strapped you into a harness and followed behind you as you climbed a rope ladder high up into the air, noticing the tremble in your hands when you looked down and saw just how far up you were. You'd had a substantial amount of practice in the, field, in the few aerial courses you took in college, but nothing was quite this elevated or grand. He ignored the fear that you struggled to hide, gripping the fly bar and encouraging to join him before counting down from three and pushing off, off of the platform with your hips, legs, and arms pressed up against one another. The initial feeling of soaring through the air was exquisite. You'd always loved the notion of playground swings and carnival rides as a child, but the sensation of being this alpine and liberated was unmatched and incomparable. Your stomach flipped and flipped as you moved forward and backward pumping your legs to propel the motion into an even more exaggerated swing. With swinging comes falling, so right away Harry wanted you to get used to the innervation of letting go and dropping into the safety net. He did it along with you each time, helping to solidify the faith that you had in him as a reliable partner, as well as building an alliance around any, comp any apprehension you may have had regarding physical safety. Once you both felt comfortable in your expertise, he pushed you to do it on your own, and ever since your first solo swing and drop, you've become an addict for the air and each firework that comes along with it. Higher, Clyde! Today is day three, and although you had been excited beyond relief to finally let go of the fly bar and practice some simple catching, it's proving to be a bit more difficult than you'd had anticipated. Coercing yourself to let go of the bar and abandon all ingrained human safely measures as you hurl yourself through space and the hope of being caught seemed impossible at first. But with each try, the mental aspect of it seems to get easier and easier. You haven't had a successful catch yet and Harry's blaming it on your inability to swing high enough. His knees are hooked on the fly bar across from you as he hangs upside down with his arms suspended below his head. His ribs expanding each time he barks at you to jump from the platform harder and rock your legs forward with as much gusto as you can manage. Part of it is lack of necessary muscle, but most of it is trepidation and he knows it, which is why he continues to shout at you in an effort to keep you motivated. Harry gives the signal that you've agreed upon when he deems your swing strong enough and he's ready for you to fly, sticking his fingers into his mouth and whistling loud enough for the sound to echo off of the surrounding bleachers. You suck air into your lungs and fill them to capacity as you reach the apex of your swing and let go of the fly bar. Your heartbeat frozen and your body weightless and suspended in the air for an excruciating cluster of seconds until Harry's merciless and apparent, apparently saliva-tainted hands are clutching yours and wrapping it around your wrist. The feeling of his slimy fingers touching yours causes an involuntary shriek of disgust to ripple up your throat. Your digits slipping through his as you untangle him from him and go soaring through the air towards the safety net. Your body bounces with the residual impact of your fall as the net cradles you, your gaze craning upwards towards Harry who hovers above you and shakes his head in disappointment. His bar continues to swing to and fro as he stares down at you and laments in the spoiling of your first successful catch. You'd rather break your neck than come in contact with my saliva? You lay on your back within the hammock of the secure netting as you try to camouflage your guilt and focus up at him dangling several feet above you. It's looking that way, isn't it? Okay, let's take a fucking break. Harry's always loved the satisfying crunch of his teeth sinking through the flesh of an apple. 
just after turning the fruit over and over in his palm until finding the perfect juncture to break through, the astringent juice tickling his tongue and seeping from the corner of his mouth. He's partial to the type with green skin because the flavor is predictable. Tart, acidic, dry, crisp, and just the slightest hint of sweet. It's familiar and dependable. It's reminiscing of something, but he can't quite place it. He closes his eyes to bathe himself in this moment of quiet solitude that he rarely allows himself to experience. The sun heats his face and the metal rim of his sunglasses as his eyes gently low shut. The sound of the rough ocean winds combing through the palms above him. Bo's belly that doubles as a pillow rises and falls with breath and rocks Harry's head with each sleepy drag of air in and out. His legs extend long in front of him through the plush and emerald green grass, unnatural in its perfection with each blade the same height as the one beside it. Everything about this building, interior and exterior, is manicured down to its final miniature and it reminds him of you, which he finds terribly irritating considering this is supposed to be his hour of freedom. You're particularly quiet today, more so than usual. Harry tenses at the sound of your voice cutting through this moment of peace. The vibration of your energy sending uncomfortable pricks of thumbtacks protruding down every inch of his skin as he slowly drags his eyelids open from behind the shield of his sunglasses. Are you tired too? I didn't really sleep well last night either. Nettie came home late and... He'd rather not relive the last few hours of practice or rehash the broken slumber that shook him within a tangle of drenched sheets last night. No. Know what? Know everything. No to your questions, no to your presence, no to your proximity, no to your existence. He pulls his eyes closed again to block out his surroundings, hoping that his rigid body language and subtle cues are enough to send you on your way and out of his sun. You widen your eyes in exasperation and the evident annoyance, annoyance dripping from the corner of his tight grimace, your lips forming the silent word, okay, before shutting your mouth and plopping down a few feet away. Harry lays still aside from his jaw working a piece of fresh bubblegum, a tight muscle in the hinge of his cheek popping and hollowing as his tongue maneuvers under his skin. A discarded banana peel and a pack of his crushed cigarettes settle by his side, two discarded filters bent and extinguished into the grass. His fingers hold the spent core of an apple softly against his belly, his tank top untucked from the waistband of his joggers to reveal a serene sweep of skin sullied with black ink on either hip bone. A track of bristly hair travels down from his belly button, pointing in the direction of a considerably bump pushing against the fabric between his legs, before your gaze falls down to his bare feet, one planted flat in the thick green blades and the other stretched long and relaxed. Harry clears his throat and adjusts his shirt to cover the exposed skin, and in that moment, and it's in that moment that you realize you're staring and that you've been caught doing so. Your cheeks flame when you drop your sight to your lunch bag, shifting your attention to pull out a napkin and lay it on the ground to neatly arrange your meal. Cucumber, apple, and carrot slices, lined up from shortest to tallest, so you can eat them in order and save the largest piece for last. Your water, your water bottle and pristinely wrapped lollipop are removed from your bag in finality, placing them just to your right of your napkin as you pick up the smallest pieces of carrot in the lineup and pop it into your mouth. Harry pushes his shades up and tilts his head to the side to watch your obsessive routine. He half expects you to take another napkin, to make another napkin appear from your orderly and seemingly never-ending bag of stringency to tuck into your neck of your bodysuit in order to keep the crumbs from littering your chest. 
Do you always have to be so fucking meticulous? You don't bother to make eye contact with him. If it annoys you, yes. Harry flicks his sunglasses back down against the bridge of his nose, a waxy bubble appearing from between his lips as Bo sucks in a loud, sleepy snore. A handful of seconds pass before you wonder about something out loud. Is the bandana yours? He realizes that this break isn't going to be relaxing at all. Yeah. You piece together a backstory since Harry is intent on keeping you in the dark. Imagining Rusty arriving at the theater with a truckload full of rescued dogs from the shelter and allowing them all to run free like a swarm of insane freedom starts bees. You can picture Boo galloping straight towards Harry with his tongue hanging from his mouth, mowing Harry down onto the ground and licking his face incessantly before he removes the blue bandana from his hair and replaces it around Boo's neck to claim him as his own. Over the last couple of weeks that you've been working together day in, day in and day out, Harry's been communicating with you a bit more. But none of his banter is friendly or particularly nice. It tends to be a slow of non-stop vexing days back and forth, but you suppose that relationship is better than utter hate. It's emotionally sapping to keep borrowing for information or at least for a hint of the charisma that everyone seems to receive a dose of aside from you. But you haven't given up hope. You view him as a dirt cake frog filled with clusters of shiny and jagged amethyst. Enough poking and prodding will eventually crack his exterior and allow the sparkling gem to surface. Either that or you draw blood in the process, your mangled hands leaving sad puddles and trails as a reminder of failure after agitated failure. Nettie has become your unofficial therapist about the entire situation, sitting across from you on your large U-shaped couch at home nodding and humming along with each one of your grievances, depending on the day. She suggested persistent adjacency and gentle questioning, something to get the blood flowing to the crystalline honey that's formed a shield around his, car, around his heart in order to melt the buffer and wake up his affection. Too much rambling about yourself would be extremely off-putting to someone who is otherwise uninterested in you, but maybe with enough inquiry you could find some common ground to work with. Even if, you, even if you have to wade through a murky river of cheap insults in order to achieve it. Harry keeps his eyes lulled shut and his face angled towards the sky. Your teeth are going to rot from all those lollipops. Not before your lungs turn black from all those cigarettes. The core of his apple is tossed into your direction and you don't have enough time to react before it lands on your napkin and scatters your exquisitely organized meal into the grass all around you. Your jaw drops at his skillful pestering before you pick up a carrot stick and hold it towards him, his mouth opening to catch it with ease and crunching loud in victory with even a hint of amusement. It takes every ounce of willpower you have not to laugh at his ridiculous aloofness. The moment of his harassment is put on pause by the tiniest voice you could imagine squeaking from beside you. Hi. You turn, to find, you turn to find a small child around the age of four standing with her mother at a safe distance. The quick movement of Harry sitting up at attention and pushing his hair back with his sunglasses, flitting in the corner of your eye. His speedy regard and response to the unexpected visitors does make you feel jealous. It feels as though he treats every single person that he encounters, aside from you, with honesty and appeal, and you swear to yourself that you're going to figure out why hopefully sooner rather than later. Hi. A smile starts in the center of Harry's lips before billowing outwards towards the corners, his eyes and cheeks lagging just behind to amplify the sense of warmth. I really like your dress. 
You know that you should be paying attention to the child, but you simply can't. The child throws and takes a brave step forward upon Harry's gentle luring, her fingers held nervously against her mouth as she chews on her skin. It's about birds. It's navy blue and printed with multicolored hummingbirds. I love the circus. I love the trapeze and the tight rope and cotton candy. The pink kind. You're my favorite. Her hands finally drop but continue to toy anxiously with the hem of her skirt as she looks at her mother for help or reassurance. The child's mother finally speaks up. Sorry to bother you. Mitzi here noticed you as we were walking on the boardwalk and she wanted to say hello. We have tickets to see you in a couple months. We got them as soon as they went on sale. Harry unfolds, him, unfolds himself from the ground and brushes his pants off before walking closer and dropping to a squat to frame himself at eye level with Mitzi. Thank you. I hope you have a great time. Mitzi seems to light up with his proximity and regard, her comfort level having risen exponentially from just a minute ago. Guess what? Harry raises his chin and eyebrows to convey his attention, and she jumps forward to whisper information to him. Except she doesn't quite understand that you're supposed to mutter secrets directly into someone's ear. Instead, she speaks into his mouth. I saw sharks, and they were golden, and... Her whisper grows louder to emphasize her enthusiasm. Some of them were spiky. Harry gathers that they've recently made a trip to the aquarium by her non-secutor excitement. He tries diligently not to laugh, but he remains steadfast in his demeanor and positioning, not backing away or showing the slightest bit of discomfort. He lowers the volume of his voice to match hers. What else? You can't help but wonder which shadow of Harry is in act. The face that you see or the face that the rest of the world receives. Mitzi steps closer and cups her hand around her mouth as she continues to whisper against his lips. One time when I was tiny, old baby, the big fairy man scratched me on the forehead with his tricky spaghetti ice cream cone. Harry speaks through genuine belly laughter that he strives to contain for her sake, his eyes crinkling at the corners and a dimple taking over most of his acreage of his cheek. I'm so sorry to hear that. Mitzi's mother produces a piece of paper and pen from her, from her purse, asking Harry for an autograph first before requesting a photograph next. You stand to your feet and offer to take the picture so that all of the three of them could be involved. When you raise the viewfinder to your eye and see them all huddled together and smiling within the frame, your chest tightens at just how poignant this whole scenario feels. Being on the side of the picture is an accurate, accurate metaphor. Watching Harry enjoy playful interaction with others as you simply observe and create an image in your mind of who he actually is. Your sigh is dejected, but you hope that they don't notice as you count to three and snap the photo. The shutter snapping black and blotting them from sight at the same moment your heart stutters in pain. His parting embrace is devastatingly endearing. His limbs reaching clear around the child's body in a tight hold. His face scrunching up when he presses his cheek against hers. You can hear Mitzi squeal in excitement as she runs off ahead of her mother, your weak grin slipping clear off of your face when you return to Harry and find that his expression has returned to indignation. You shake your head and sit down in the grass to scratch behind Beau's ears. I don't trust charming men. You're all murderers. Harry swipes his pack of cigarettes from the ground before tapping out with the heel of his hand. God, what is with Chick's fascination in psychotic men? The scent of cotton candy soaks into your hair as he strikes a match and lights a smoke. Self-preservation? I don't know. You tell me. You have quite the fan club. He flops back into the grass and flicks his sunglasses back into place when he resumes his position of resting on Bo, 
Aw, fuck off, Clyde. I am not psychotic. You hate to admit the thrill you feel from him voluntarily choosing to be this close to you, even if he is obstinate. That's exactly something a psychopath would say. He chooses to ignore you as he brings his cigarette between his lips again, his exhale followed by his jaw stretching open into a wide yawn. There's a level of vulnerability to Harry's positioning. Lying low beside you with his eyes slipped shut behind his shades, and you wonder if he's aware of that dynamic or not. You decide to take advantage of the situation and stifle his jaw by sticking your finger into his open mouth, the corners of his lips twitching into a hint of humor be before he'd swipe clean by a sharp pinch of annoyance when his satisfying expression of drowse is cut short. Think? A group of women, all flashing long stretches of exposed leg and stomach saunter by on the boardwalk. The colors of their bathing suits reminding you of a bouquet of tropical flowers. Harry's head perks up at the sound of female chattering, his sunglasses pushing up on his forehead for a clearer view of their bodies once he realizes they have lots of skin to share. Harry, you have to be back on the trapeze in 25 minutes. Harry scrambles to his feet and propels himself forward by using the top of your head for balance. Your tight ponytail ruffled out of its constraint as his palms fumbles against your hair. He hasn't heard your warning and he doesn't care very much. His feet kicking up over your crossed legs and accidentally banging your knee as he hurries towards the tanned flesh giggling past like a flock of geese with delicate pruned feathers. Ow, germ. He doesn't manage to hear your insult as he spins towards you for a fast rebuttal. Fuck face. His arm slinks around one of the women who giggles and nuzzles into his side immediately upon receiving his careful diligence. Where you headed, gorgeous? You call after him. 24 minutes, Harry. You don't receive a response, and you hadn't exactly expected to. Instead, you unwrap your lollipop and suck it into your mouth before making eye contact with Bo and slumping, and slumping back down into the grass, testing out what it feels like to use his soft belly as a pillow. <laughs> After several more hours of trapeze practice and yet even more calisthenics, Harry dismisses the both of you for the day to return home for some rest. You run off to your shared dressing room to shower first, locking the bathroom door behind you for privacy and washing off as fast as you can so that you can, you can enjoy what's left of the sunshine today. You've become accustomed to changing in the bathroom after your mishap on the first day. Still unsure and too scared to ask if Harry got a comprehensive view of your tits or not. Harry showers while you sit at the vanity and adjust your makeup in the mirror. Your cherry-scented candle burning as you keep your eyes blown open as far as you can to swipe your mascara on your lashes. Harry bursts from the bathroom with a cloud of steam behind them. The wet heat of his body entering your consciousness when you catch a glimpse of him in the mirror. He stands completely naked beside you. Aside from a towel, he uses to dry off his junk. His soaking wet hair clinging to his cheekbones and droplets of water running down his shoulders and chest. Before you realize what you're doing, you flit your vision down to his center and are shocked by the sight of his modesty, almost making an appearance below the movement of the towel. Harry! You drop your mascara and cup your hands as blinders around your eyes, squeezing them shut to make, sure, to make extra sure that you don't accidentally see something you don't want to. Oh my god, can you please put some pants on? What? No. You groan and bravely peel your eyes open but still refuse to look at him. I'm right here and I don't want to see that. Harry reaches for your deodorant. Then leave. 
You try to grab it out of his hands, but he's too quick for you, and you realize that having your eyes covered is more important to you right now. No, I have every right to be here. He shrugs and pops the cap from the stick of deodorant. So do I. This is my place to be naked. It's a dressing room. He lifts it to his nose for a sniff and hums. Rose? Interesting choice. You groan and keep your hands firmly planted against your cheeks and temples as a makeshift shield. Ugh, fine. At least go behind the screen. What's the difference between my dick being here or there? Just don't fucking look at it if it bothers you. Because I can see it here and I can't see it there, Einstein. Get it on my face. Harry holds up three fingers beside your head, but you can't see them due to your self-imposed obstruction. How many fingers am I holding up? One. And please get it away. It probably has scabbies or something. Harry takes his time applying your deodorant. Thank you. Harry takes his time applying your deodorant to his underarms before flipping his towel over his shoulder and checking once again to see if you're watching. He waves his hand at you, and when he gets no reaction, he sucks his fingertips into his mouth to wet them before closing them around the wick of your candle and extinguishing the flame. Once you hear him retreat and you're certain he's making his way behind the screen, you remove your hands and sigh in relief. You you flick your gaze over your shoulder for a glimpse of his bare bottom just before he disappears behind the divider. Your heartbeat speeding up behind your ribs at the vision of a perfectly plump peach held up by a set of sturdy toned thighs. Saw that. You pick up your mascara and resume applying your makeup, working to keep your tone even and calm. Saw what? Worth a try. You both shout, come in, in unison when three knocks echoed through your dressing room followed by the appearance of one of the technical director's faces slipping in through a small space in the threshold. Rusty needs to chat with one of you for a minute. Harry sticks out his arm out from behind the screen and you respond with a similar gesture. The two of you engaging in an unspoken game of rock, paper, scissors in order to fairly decide who will be the one to meet with Rusty. You both shake your fists before throwing your respective shapes on your outstretched hands. Harry tosses scissors and you form a piece of paper with a level palm, your head throwing back with a grunt and dramatic disapproval of your loss. You cheated. It's only cheating if I can read your mind, Clyde. Now go find Rusty. You gather all your belongings and rise to standing, leaning forward to instinctively blow out the flame of your candle before you leave. When you pucker your lips and discover that it's already gone out, gone out right in front of your eyes yet again, you tut and curse in confusion, mumbling something about your dressing room being haunted. Harry tilts his head back behind the screen and covers his face to silence his laughter, finally letting a soft chuckle escape once, you're, once you bid him a good evening and shut the door behind you upon your exit. Hello! That was chapter number five. How good was that? How fucking good was that? That was amazing. Oh my god. This is one of my favorite chapters. Well, I say that about every chapter, but it's true. This is one of my favorite chapters. Um, honestly, I don't think I need to do a summary for this one. Um, I was doing summaries mainly for the ones that was like that were hard to understand because um, the hard vocab was um, overshadowing the plot. But this one was pretty easy to understand. Still, though, I will give you, like, a rundown of my thoughts, and maybe that will kind of, like, be the summary. Okay, 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 okay. Ah! This chapter is literally, 
it's one of my favorite things ever. Like, just the fact, my favorite part about this whole chapter is that she was, like, thinking that her dressing room is haunted. And the whole time, it's been Harry's bitch ass blowing out her candles. That's so, for someone that um, is indifferent, that is pretty playful and flirty of you, isn't it, Mr. Harry? Um, I think that's the cutest thing ever, though. If someone did that to me and, like, I found out, I would be so charmed. Like, that's so charming. In a way, that's really assholey. Um, I don't know. He's just stupid. He's dumb. Also, his butt. Do you see that part? Do you, did you hear that part? That plump peach. He's cute. He's cutie. He's funny. I think he's a funny guy. He's an asshole, but he's funny. Um... I think it was real interesting, the part where he was, like, completely stone-faced, and then the little girl came over, and he was like, hi, baby, you know, type shit, like, he was being so sweet, and then when she left, he was, like, back to being stone-faced, like, boy, you don't fool me, I know there's a softy in there, you're just, why are you being like that, why are you being like that towards her, like, I don't, I don't understand that, like, why, you need to stop being such a bitch. Truly, you do. Also, the part where she's, like, um, they're doing um, trapeze, and then he, like, um, whistles with his fingers, and he catches her, and then she's like, ew. Like, that's <laughs> that's really interesting to me. Because she was like, ew. And then he's like, wow, so you'd rather break your neck than, like, touch me. And that's pretty, um... Uh... Fuck, what's the word I'm looking for? Hypocritical. It came to me. It's pretty hypocritical of him because he's, like, always, like, backing away after every single, like, kind of touch physical thing they have to do. Like, boy, don't play with me right now. Anyways, this chapter was just cutesy. It kind of shows, like, that he's being really rigid towards her, but still... Like, you get to see, like, little soft parts of him. I think it's pretty interesting to analyze. But, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. I really, really liked it. And, yeah. I should make up an outro song. Like a theme song. Page down, page down, boop, 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 boop. Page down, page down, boop, 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 boop. That was lovely. I think that's going to be it. <laughs> Bye.